This episode contains adult language and topics that may be disturbing for some listeners. Such topics include suicide, drug use, physical or sexual abuse of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Crime. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Ooh, that is so much better than last week. What is? Did I bring it in weird last week? Yeah, you said, welcome to the show. Oh, that's right, I did. Yeah, I forgot. Did you not listen to our episode? I did, but I mean, that was such a minor spot in like the whole beauty of last week's episode. So, Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, so I just, I did kind of forget. But before we get too off topic on anything, I wanted to ask you in front of all of our friends how much you've been enjoying the pageantry of Queen Elizabeth's passing that, you know, with all the pomp and circumstance that goes with it. Because I know you're a pretty big nerd when it comes to that stuff. I just think it's so crazy because we don't have anything like that here. Like, there is nobody here that anybody cares about enough to throw that kind of situation for. You know what I mean? Uh, Maybe Kobe. People could have cared a lot about Kobe. Not really. I mean, yes, Kobe fans. (laughs) Yeah, but But I get what you're saying. Like a whole nation, like getting behind the others. Yeah, or a whole world. Last person was probably Kennedy, huh? That was like the last time we were all like, yeah, this guy's cool. Yeah, but we just don't do the pageantry like they do. I mean, this has been going on for like a week now or more. Oh, yeah. And now it's going to continue to go for a while longer. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just like every day there's like some kind of ceremony and march and Oh, it just it's just the tradition of it is like super cool. We don't have anything that's that many thousands of years old. I enjoy seeing Andrew having to march not in all the garb because he's a pedophile. <laughs> so <laughs> I do enjoy I that. that too. Yeah. I mean, and then it sucks because Harry's not in it either. It's like, oh, man, you didn't touch kids like you're a cool guy, it seems. So, yeah, but he quit. I know, which is cool, too. But that's super cool, too. He's just like, I'm not ah. doing this. You guys, ah. you guys are a mess. I'm out. But yeah, it's, I will say it's been kind of fun watching Andrew just kind of look like a, you know, an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. That's enough with the royal talk. Let's get into the, (laughs) the story we have this week is way less about royalty. I know, but I was kind of hoping that could get you to go on like a a deep dive on it. Cause I know, I know it's kind of like your hidden thing. Like not everybody knows, I guess they do now, but not everyone knows how like deeply invested into the royal family you are i know my brother was like making like a casual comment about it last night and i was like correcting him and he's like no i read an article i'm like well the article you read is wrong this is how it works (laughs) (laughs) got all in his face about it (laughs) and then he had to look it up and then i was like talking to him while he was looking up and i was like am i right or am i right and he's like i don't know i can't read and listen to you (laughs) Man, sometimes he and your brother do more than just look alike. Sometimes we think alike, too, because I'll argue with you as well. And be like, no, I'm like, I can't do this. And then you tell me to look it up and I won't because I I refuse to be proven wrong. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So. All right. Well, let's get into this case this week because this one is it's interesting. It's hot for teacher. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was a good reference. Thank you. That's all I've been thinking about, like through this entire like case study and like looking, learning all this stuff. Like, it's just been replaying in my head over and over and over again. Well, the interesting thing about that is that Pamela Smart was not a teacher, but I mean, I mean, she was still an adult that worked at right. high school. So it was close enough for for the song. Yeah. So, like we said, we're going to be talking about Pamela Smart and the murder of her husband Gregory Smart. So Pamela was born in. Florida in like the 1960s. No, I'm not going to say in like the. I know exactly when she was born. (laughs) So Pamela was born in Florida in the 1960s and she had a great childhood. Her mom was a stay at home mom and her dad was a pilot. She says her childhood was like idyllic. Then when she was in middle school, her family relocated to Derry, New Hampshire. It just sounds like a boring place. Just Derry and New Hampshire, like in the same thing. It just it sounds like a place I don't want to go. Yeah. Everything that I've looked up on this case says that it was in middle school that she moved there. But I'm thinking that it might have been a little bit younger based on the thickest New Hampshire accent you've ever heard in your life. that this woman has. (laughs) I'm like, there's no way you grew up until you were like 13 or 14 somewhere else. And like, this is born in. It has to be. (laughs) Well, unless she gets it from her parents, too. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't think we've ever heard of them speak. So if they have thick accents, then, you know. Yeah, maybe. So in high school, Pamela was super popular. She was a cheerleader. She did really well in school. She got really good grades. Just a, a good kid. And when she was deciding on a college, she decided to attend Florida State, where she was originally from. Right. And she did extremely well in college. Like, super well. What was she majoring in? Communications. Oh. <laughs> Have you ever seen that Simpsons episode where it's, it's a kicker who's playing football and he gets hurt and they're like, oh, it's okay. You're, you know, you're here at college getting a degree. He goes, it was a fake degree. It was a communications degree. And it's just super funny because it's, well. Yeah. I'm sure it is for people I, who watch The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. I was, was kind of like, as I was going through, I was like, she won't get this at all. But. I know halfway through that story, I could tell you were like giving up on. I like, was, oh, yeah. Man, I, was I like, forgot you yeah, don't watch this. It's exactly how I was like. This isn't landing like I wanted it to. Yeah. So anyway, so when she was back in New Hampshire on Christmas break in 1986, she met a guy named Greg Smart at a New Year's Eve party. They started dating and hit it off really well. Fell in love, and Greg even moved down to Florida to live with Pamela during her senior year at college. Oh, that's great. That was. Really cool, you know, instead of having to do that long distance thing anymore. So while back in Florida, she worked like a couple of part time jobs and majored in communications like we talked about. She really buckled down like she wanted to finish college and she ended up doing so well in college. She graduated a year early with her bachelor's degree. That is impressive. Most of us end up graduating several years later. I yeah, know. you went to college long enough to be a doctor. Yeah, I did. I basically am one. Uh, yeah. Not exactly in certificate, but... Essentially, I mean, I went to school for like 10 years off and on, so I'm basically a doctor. Yep. So after she graduates college, they move back home to New Hampshire, where they're both from. And the next year, they get married. So Pamela was 21 and Greg was 23. That's too young. Yeah, That's too yeah, young to be in a relationship. And not so much in a relationship, but it's too young for sure to get married, probably. Yeah. But we'll find that out later. It is, isn't it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so okay <laughs> condescending just agreeing with you all right we're talking about greg and pamela smart okay all right now they were both way overly into heavy metal music <laughs> like greg had the long hair hey that reminds me what was the number one song on the chart oh nobody's gonna know it Oh, what is it? It's Dan Seals' Love on Arrival. Nobody has any idea what it is. Do you? Yeah, but nobody else does. Can we hear it? No. All right. So anyway, they're both really overly into this heavy metal music, right? Greg's got the long hair. Pamela was actually a DJ part-time in college, like for a local radio station, and she was known as the Metal Maiden. Oh, fierce. Yeah, which is funny because she doesn't look like it. Like, she's like a real petite pretty girl like it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah but from what i like get she was a huge metalhead every other way except like in appearance right exactly so but like greg had the long hair he kind of was like the rock and roller guy you know they were really good together so they get married and real life starts to set in pam takes a job as a media coordinator for the local school district and greg starts working to be an insurance broker with his dad. That sounds really boring. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry. So they rent a condo in Derry, New Hampshire, and they get a dog named Halen, Ugh. like Van Halen. <laughs> she was so into Van Halen that she named her dog that. They had, like, the personalized license plate that said Halen on it and stuff. Like, Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Van Halen's got its fair share of... Uh, classic tunes but they're not this great yeah <laughs> so around this time they start to grow like kind of at different speeds maturity wise which happens when you get married at 20 somebody usually grows up and does real <laughs> things and the other one just plays video games all day <laughs> so greg started cutting his hair shorter you know more of a clean cut look he started selling insurance yeah and, like, he's an insurance an guy he's got a got to clean it up a little bit no one's gonna buy their insurance from motley crew yeah exactly so he's maturing and he's starting his big boy job and he's you know doing life stuff and she starts this job too but maturing is not really her thing <laughs> no well. in fact she seems to have hit a wall and just kind of stayed there for yeah years yeah 
So, like I said, they have this condo. They both have well-paying jobs, but it is not marital bliss. And a few months in, Pamela finds out that Greg had a one-night stand. Oof. Or so she says. I thought that, I thought he admitted it. Or is that her story still? Says she says. Oh, okay. We don't have Greg on video admitting it. It would be a little surprising, I think, that he didn't tell anybody else in the family. Yeah. And maybe he did, and maybe they've just never spoken about it. I'm just saying that I couldn't find anything that corroborates that story. Gotcha. Like, that story only comes from Pamela, who we'll find out later is less than a reliable narrator, so. (laughs) Anyway, according to Pamela, she was heartbroken. She thought, like everybody does at 20, that you and your husband are soulmates and there's nothing that's going to come between you, and she found out the hard way that that's not really how life works. (laughs) You know, so her confidence was shattered, but she chose to stay with him. And this is where the string of bad decisions start, because if Greg is cheating and she stays, you know, before you know it, they're on a true crime podcast. I mean, (laughs) something was going down. Yeah. If somebody's cheating in the first year of marriage, that's a huge red flag. Right. Like, just cut your losses. Get out. Anyway, she was enjoying her new job with the school district, and she started volunteering for a drug awareness program at Winnicott High School. I can't say that, by the way. So if I think that's it's wrong, Winneka. But why does it end in a T? Uh, I don't know, but I think it's Winneka. Okay, so she started volunteering for this drug program at WH School. <laughs> At WHS. We're going to call it WHS. When you see a hard word now, do you get a little scared because you know I'm going to say something? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because when I listen to it back, when I edit, I'm like, oh, I said that wrong. I even know before I, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) When you re-listen to it. Yeah. All right. I'll stop. I'll let you, I'll let you do your thing. No, it's fine. I don't know what it is. It's, it's spelled like W and then a bunch of letters and then a T. So we're going to go with WHS in Hampton, New Hampshire. And this program was called Project Self-Esteem. At Project Self-Esteem, she's supposed to be like this mentor to a group of teenagers. Instead of being a mentor to a group of teenagers, she just starts like hanging out with them and being friends with them. Not like as a volunteer. Right. Like in real life. Yeah. She crossed some lines. (laughs) Majorly. Yes. Totally inappropriate. She's an adult who works at their school. So Cecilia Pierce is one of these teenagers that Pam becomes really good friends with. And Cecilia is friends with another guy named William Flynn, who goes by Billy. And he's another one of these teenagers, you know, sophomores in high school that Pam is hanging out with. Jeez, that's crazy to think about. Like, yeah, 15. I know. Just, yeah, just me and my 15 year old friend. How old are you again? (laughs) 22 something. It's like, okay. So Billy and Pam bond over their love for heavy metal music. And she thought Billy's long hair was just like so rock and roll. (laughs) So Halen. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) it's gross. It's it's not cute. I mean, he's a little boy. He's 15. Yeah. I didn't even like dating 15 year olds when I was 15. So this whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. I can assure you no... 15-year-old girl dated me when I was 15 or 25. So, yeah, (laughs) I I can't imagine this was going very well. Like, what did she see in him? You know, like, that's that's the crazy thing. It's like... Well, we haven't gotten to the part where they're dating yet. So, well... Don't spoil it for all the listeners. All right, well, go ahead. Yeah. Then a week before Greg and Pam's first wedding anniversary, Pam comes home late from work after a meeting and finds Greg lying on the floor in the entryway of their condo. She panics and runs out of the house, runs to neighbors' houses and screams and yells and begs them to call 911. She's hysterical. Yeah, she just walked in on her husband just lying there dead. And like pretty brutally too. Yeah, so when the police arrive, they determine that yes, he is dead and he's been shot, execution style, in the head. Oh my god. So when the police start looking into why anybody would murder Greg or what the hell happened, they find a joint in his truck, like a, they call it a marijuana cigarette. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They find a joint in his truck. So they start thinking, like, is this a drug-related crime or, like, a burglary gone wrong? This is 1990, dude. Like, in 1990, they thought people killed people over weed. I mean, I'm sure people have died over weed. Don't get me wrong. But 
I took it as more of like this guy smoked a joint and then offed himself because he was doing drugs. And that's why I was like, dude, that doesn't happen. No, no, no. They they thought like maybe it was a drug deal gone wrong. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Or like he owed a drug dealer money. And so they came after him or they want to see if it's like a burglary gone wrong or something. You know, they don't know what to think yet. They're just starting out around this time. This is still the night he's murdered. Pam starts telling her friends to tell the police that she wants to chit chat with them, (laughs) which is not usually how that goes. Hey, guys, generally the cops tell you when it's time to talk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, unless you have something to tell them, like you typically don't go looking for the police. Yeah, but then if you do have something to tell him, why don't you just go up and say, hey, I need to talk to you? Yeah, what'd you do, set up a time? No, she sent her friends to tell him. Oh. To tell the police. She starts telling her friends to tell the police, so their friends are, like, going up to the cops, like, hey, Pam wants to talk. Hey, Pam wants to... And they're like, okay, kids, get out of here. Like, what? we're, we're trying to deal with a murder here. <laughs> yeah, and, like, sending, sending lackeys to do it. This is kind of mob stuff, huh? Yeah, it's like, what was the point of that? But the cops oblige, and they interview her in the middle of the night, the night her husband is murdered. God. They're like, so what happened? What'd you do today? What did Greg do today? And she tells them that she talked to Greg at like three o'clock in the afternoon, and she told him about her meeting at work and that it was probably going to go late because her thing that she needed to talk about was like last on the agenda. And then she got home at like 10.30 p.m., and the porch light wasn't on, which wasn't like Greg. He usually left the porch light on when he was home and she wasn't. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very chivalrous. Yeah. And then when she walked in, she saw Greg on the ground. Then she noticed the condo was a little bit ransacked. And then she ran out to go get help from a neighbor. Okay. So that's her story about what happened. Pretty dull story. Like, not a whole lot there. But, I mean, again, if she had I feel like there's a lot there. What? Yeah, like... When you walk into your condo, you're going to notice that it's ransacked before you try to help your husband on the ground? I don't know. I mean, the way I thought about it was, like, she runs in, she sees him. He's shot execution style. So, like, you know pretty quick, hey, this guy's dead. They actually didn't know. There was so little blood and the bullet wound was behind his ear that it actually took until the autopsy to know that he was shot in the head. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, um, I guess back up a little bit. If you opened your door, I don't care if your wife is covered in blood and her head is in the next room. Your first instinct is going to be to grab her and try to make her okay or wake her up. Or That's your first instinct. I just, I, I mean, I think if it's obvious, it's not like, but obviously in this one, I guess it's not as obvious as it I always. It wasn't obvious. Yeah, it's not as obvious as I have always kind of pictured it. So, Okay. So the detectives at this point want to know about drug or gambling debt. Pam says there's no drugs, no gambling debt. He does like to go to Atlantic City and he does smoke pot sometimes, but he doesn't have any debt. So it's looking like a burglary that Greg walked in on, except there isn't much missing, including Greg's wedding ring and his wallet that were both still on him. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, not that much was missing. So they ask Pam to write down every person who's been in their house in the last month. That way, if they find prints, they can eliminate innocent people, you know, friends of theirs. Or it gives them a list to start to kind of go off of. Yeah, it could. Yeah, friends and family, associates, you know. People who are close. Yeah, so they follow up on the gambling and the drug debts anyways, but that does turn out to be a dead end, like Pam says. Like, he doesn't have any drug or gambling debt. Then on May 4th, 1990... Three days after his murder, they have Greg's funeral. It's a lot less time than the queen got. Yeah, he's 24 years old, and they no. have to have a funeral for this Jeez. guy. Like, he's young. Yeah, he's really young to have all of this stuff happen to him. Yeah, so at the funeral, there's a lot of Greg and Pam's friends there, but also this group of teenagers that Pam's been hanging out with, which is, like, really kind of awkward. It's awkward that she's hanging out with them. So, yeah, like, having yeah, them show up. Like, yeah, the whole thing's awkward. Yeah. So the media gets a hold of this story, too, and it's big news because they're a young, successful, good-looking couple, so it's catchy. They look good on TV. Oh, yeah. So the media runs with this story because could be gambling, could be drugs. You know, they run with that, like, illicit storyline. So Pam calls up this reporter 
named Bill Spencer and asks if she can do an interview because she wants to set the record straight. According to her, she doesn't want people to think that Greg had drug or gambling debt like because she doesn't think that's why he was killed. Is this normal behavior for like a grieving wife? I don't know. I, what's normal? Who knows? <laughs> All right, fair. I, t- to be honest with you, if my husband didn't have drug and gambling debt and they were saying that on the news, I might go on the news and be like, hey, that's not true. For the record, I, as far as I know, he doesn't, so. Yeah. You, know, you made it course. sound like he might. No. Sorry. He does not. He pays all of so, his debts, guys. Yeah. So <laughs> she tells this reporter that it was a burglary gone bad and that it clearly wasn't a drug deal or a gambling debt or anything like that. But Pam says that this reporter bugged her for days and days and days until she gave in and threatened to release the story that he died because of a drug debt or a gambling debt. But the reporter says, no way. The reporter says she called me. I didn't do any of that. She called me and wanted this interview. (sighs) Wow. So. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. But either way, it's only a couple of days after they buried Greg. She gives an on-camera interview with this reporter and she is full makeup, full face. Like like you said, it's hard to tell how everybody's going to react, but she doesn't seem to be playing like the grieving wife. No, she doesn't. She seems to be like proactive. Here's my pretty face on TV. Yeah. She seems to be going towards the cameras and limelight and stuff, not like, hey, guys, can you leave me alone, please? Yeah. Yeah. So the general thought was that she almost looked too good for somebody who just lost their husband. Yeah. And it's literally the day before their one year anniversary when she's giving this interview. And she asked the reporter if she should get the wedding cake out of the freezer. Like, would that be a good moment for you to get in your interview is me like cutting my wedding the top of my wedding cake all by myself like what what (laughs) yeah you know how people do that on their anniversary they eat the top portion of their wedding cake that they saved from the year before well i do know about it christine wouldn't let me do it but i do know about it what do you mean she made me i asked if we could save a piece and she said no it's gross so she has to buy me a new cake then for our anniversary she probably won't oh that's interesting yeah, I should probably buy you some like non-sugar, non-dairy, vegan. Oh, that's what our wedding cake was to begin with. But <laughs> that's why it was so gross. No, the wedding cake was bomb. Are you kidding? Oh man, I don't know. I didn't try. I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't have any. It was delicious. Everything about like all those pastries and stuff were delicious. But we did nothing. We did practically nothing traditional for our wedding. Like <laughs> we had no real flow because <laughs> of the taco guy. And yeah. Yeah. It was still really fun, though, and really nice. Yeah. We didn't actually save a piece of ours either. Our baker froze a thing of the dough from our cake, and then they baked that on our one-year anniversary. We picked it up from oh, the Oh, that's bakery. cool. Yeah. They baked it into a whole new cake. That's sweet. And then we picked it up. Oh, that's awesome. I well, sweet. That. We paid good money for that. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we paid extra for that because I thought it was gross to save a piece of real cake, too. Uh, I was so into it. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah. Of course you were. So anyway, this is strange behavior that she's like, should I cut my wedding cake? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's super strange. I forgot we were even talking about that. I know. That's why I have to get back to it. <laughs> so. So maybe this is just like her pretending to be a reporter, you know, because she wanted to be a reporter. That's why she majored in communications. Yeah, it could be. So maybe this is just like her way of being like, here, this would make your story better. I know what would work. Yeah, this does seem a little like she's, you know, trying trying to make it big a little bit, huh? Yeah, it's interesting. So the authorities start to notice that she's doing more and more and more interviews and they don't like it. And she isn't like begging for help or making public pleas for somebody to come forward with information about her husband. She's mostly just talking about herself and cutting her wedding cake and (laughs) (laughs) just living her now living her best life now that she doesn't have him to have to worry about. Like, that's what's sadistic about this whole thing is like, yeah, it's starting to seem like she wanted him gone. And But she also keeps pushing this burglary theory, and she's telling the media more than the police want them to know, like, about the crime scene and stuff like that. So they cut Pam off at this point. They're like, well, we don't tell Pam any more things because she just tells the media. Yeah. So they stopped talking to her completely unless they were asking her questions 
Around this time, an anonymous phone call comes in with a tip from a lady who works at a restaurant. She has a 15-year-old co-worker that she works at this restaurant with named Cecilia Pierce. And Cecilia has been talking at work about how Pamela planned the murder of Greg. Like she did it. It was not a burglary. Right. Wow. So the police go and talk to Cecilia. And she doesn't admit anything. She denies knowing any of this info. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But she told them that she had been at Pam's house the week before the murder, that she stayed the night at Pam's house the week before the murder. How old is this girl? 16. Wow. Yeah. And so they checked the list that Pam gave them of everybody who'd been in their condo for the last month, and Pam didn't put Cecilia's name on the list. So this is another good reason... To have this list, because if they do get some kind of intel like this and they go, huh, okay, yes. weird, cool. Why July? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is a huge red flag because it's not like she was just traumatized and like forgot to put Cecilia on the list. Like she put really obscure people on this list, like the water delivery guy and stuff, but forgot to put one of her best friends who stayed the night there. Yeah. Like that seems kind of on purpose. So this is when they're starting to put the pieces together with the anonymous tip, Pam's need for attention, the fact that she keeps pushing the burglary thing. The cops even think it's interesting that she mentioned that the condo was ransacked, but also didn't really go in. Like she said, like, I went in, I saw Greg, I saw that the condo was ransacked and I ran out. But then she was like mentioning specific things that were missing. So they're like, how would you know? Yeah. How'd you how'd you know all that? And then also with there being very little blood at the scene and all that kind of stuff, they thought, you know, your first instinct should be to get on the floor and try to wake up your husband. Like, if you don't know that he's shot in the head, right? your first instinct should be to render aid, not run away from him. So they're starting to look at her kind of with the side eye, you know, like, what's <laughs> going on here, Pam? Yeah, you're not making a whole lot of sense here, girl. Yeah, so then on June 10th, a guy named Vance Latimy walked into a police station that was not even in Derry. It was like 40 miles away in this town called Seabrook and asked to talk to them. He's like, hey, can I talk to some cops? And they're like, yeah, we're all cops. What's up? <laughs> and he shows them his 38 caliber handgun. And he says, I think this is the gun that killed Greg Smart. And the police are like, okay. He said that he took it out and it was clean. And he knows that the last time he went shooting, he did not clean it and he put it away dirty. And the police are like, so what in the hell makes you think it was used in Greg's murder? I mean, I get it. It's clean. But like, what? And so he said a friend of his teenage son named Ralph Welsh, who lives with them, told him that it was used in the murder. So that's why he went and checked his gun. When he saw that his gun was cleaned, he was like, oh, no. Wow. God. I just I can't imagine like. Yeah. Being that. the dad and putting, yeah, and putting all that together and like having to come to the realization that like, oh man, yeah, this my kid isn't was good. involved in some shit that he shouldn't have been. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the police bring in this Ralph Welsh kid and they send the gun out for ballistics testing to see if it is the gun. They sit down with Ralph and they're like, hey, what you talking about? And Ralph tells them that the Latimies kind of took him in. So like he sort of lives with them and he's really good friends with Vance Latimy Jr., JR is what they call him, what he goes by, and JR's friends, Billy Flynn, Pete Randall, and Raymond Fowler. These kids are kind of like troublemakers, like drugs, minor run-ins with the law, breaking into cars, shit like that. They're not like known killers or anything, but they're not altar boys by any means. <laughs> right. He said that Billy had been bragging around town about how they were involved. Ralph heard these rumors like through the grapevine and he was concerned. And so he confronted his friends and he was like, hey, did you guys kill a guy? Like, what the hell? At first they denied it and they said, no, 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 no. But then eventually he caught them like talking about it and they admitted it to him and wow. told him how they did it. Like it was like like they were bragging. Yeah. And so Pete Randall told him that he held Greg's head and Billy pulled the trigger. Whew. Gosh. So when the cops asked, why would you Ralph hold somebody's head? He was getting shot in the head. I don't know. I I saw two different interviews, and one interview said he held his head, and the other, other interview said he held him down. So I don't know. They also could just be 15 and, like, you know, the game Telephone, where it's like, oh, I held his shoulders down, and then by the end of it, it's like, oh, his foot was purple, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like a bunch of 15-year-olds telling each other about a murder. Like, it's... I'm sure you're not getting the full truth right now. No, I'm sure not. Yeah, so when they ask this 
Ralph Welsh kid. Why would these kids kill? Like, what is the connection here? Why would they kill him? And he's like, oh, yeah, Pam wanted them to do it. And they were like, they know Pam? And he's like, oh, yeah. Say what? Yeah, he was like, Pam was going to give him a couple hundred bucks of the insurance money if they did it. A couple hundred bucks for insurance money if they kill a dude? Yeah. So the police start looking into these kids, like, trying to figure out the connection between Pam and these teenagers. And that's when they realize Cecilia, who they've already interviewed, knows these boys and she knows Pam. That's like the connection is that Pam works at this high school. Cecilia is like her intern in this program and they're all in this program. So the police arrest these four boys and get search warrants for their houses. And when they try and interview them, no one is talking. It's clear at this point that the boys have this like misconception that since they're so young, even if they get convicted of this, for some reason, they think they're going to like get out of jail at like 18 or 21 just because they're kids. Yep. It doesn't work like that at your age. Yeah. Very often you get tried as an adult. Yeah. But at this point, they're not. They're being held as juveniles. So they say nothing. Oh, good. Which I'm sure their lawyers are like, say nothing. Yeah. I, I would imagine so. God. Yeah. So the police decide to haul Cecilia in for another interview because none of the boys are talking. And they play hardball with her a little bit. And they tell her that she's in way over her head and that she needs to cooperate or they'll charge her too if she if they find out she knew anything. And she's pretty scared, but she's in this interview with her mom. And eventually they push a little bit too hard and her and her mom get up and walk out of the interview. They're like, nope, we're done. But the cops know that she knows more than she's saying. So that night on the news, they leaked that they were going to arrest another person. So the news was reporting that they were going to arrest one more person. And when Cecilia saw the news, she was like, oh, like, that's probably me. Yeah. And so she got kind of rattled and she broke down and she told her mom everything that she knew. And her mom took her straight to the police station and was like, you need to tell them what you just told me. Yep. So the police sit down with Cecilia again and she spills what she knows. And she tells them that Pam asked the boys to do this. And she would give them $500 of the insurance money, which, by the way, she got $140,000 because Greg was an insurance agent. So he had $140,000 worth of life insurance at 24. But the cops still don't understand why they would do this for Pam. The cops are like, so she just asked these boys to kill her husband and they did. And Cecilia was like, well, I mean, I'm sure it's because Billy and Pam are sleeping together. (laughs) And the cops probably, their jaws probably hit the ground or they were probably like, that's kind of where we thought this was going. Thank you so much. Yeah. One or the other. But either way, they were like, this 15 year old idiot, this kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you serious? So the police find out that they've all been hanging out like outside of school since Pam started working at their high school and her and Billy had been having what they call an affair for a while, like since shortly after she found out that Greg cheated, which again, we don't know for sure happened or not, but either way. So they asked Cecilia if Billy killed Greg because he was in love with Pam and was jealous and wanted Greg out of the picture. Or did Pam ask him to do it? And she said, Oh no, Pam was the mastermind. Like they talked about it all the time. <sighs> oh my gosh. So she knew everything. It was just so afraid to say anything. Yeah, because a lot of times when they would hang out, they would hang out with this whole group of teenagers. So Cecilia was there a lot because then it didn't look like Pam and Billy were doing anything inappropriate if there was like a lot of people. Right. But they still were. They were just doing it with all these people around. Cecilia tells them like she knows that it was wrong. Like I know that all of this was wrong and I should have told somebody. But like she didn't really think they would ever do it. Like, she didn't think Pam saying, like, hey, you should kill my husband. You know, she really didn't think the boys would ever do it. Yeah, which I get. I mean. Yeah. But I will also say teenage boys are very stupid. So. Yeah. But either way, they come away from this interview realizing that this was clearly Pam's idea. And Cecilia had even been overhearing them discuss it for months. Like, they have witnesses, you know, that this was Pam's idea. Yeah. They've pretty much got her. Yeah, but they need more proof because you can't, like, arrest somebody or take them to trial on, like, a, hey, this girl said that happened. Right, here's you know? for sure, but. Yeah, so they wire up Cecilia. They tap her. The 16-year-old girl, they put a tap on her, and they have her go talk to Pam. And in... Didn't they have it done to her phone and on her person? 
Yeah, and on the phone, she didn't say shit. That's what it was, huh? They tapped the phone, and then she didn't say anything, yes. so they put it on her purse. Okay, right. Yeah, and so they because stri- they were like, we didn't really want to wire a 16-year-old girl and send her in with somebody who we think is a murderer, but yeah. we had to because we needed the evidence. So in the conversation, she never actually says that she did it or says, like, specifically, but she says, like, super incriminating shit. Like, when Cecilia tells her, like, hey, if I don't tell the police what I know about this whole debacle and they find out later I knew, I could get in big trouble. And Pam's like, then don't say you knew. And Cecilia was like, but I did know. And Pam was like, well, yeah, but then you're going to get us all in trouble, you know, like. So she just says, like, really incriminating stuff on these tapes. Right. So finally they decide after these tapes that they have enough evidence to charge Pam for being an accomplice to her husband's murder. They think they figured this out, like this whole scheme. And the press runs wild with this story because everybody, just like you, was really into the hot for teacher storyline. And Oh, yeah. And she was hot. I mean, she was beautiful. She was a young, pretty 22-year-old. And it was just this like, oh, my God, this 15-year-old boy. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, oh yeah. Like we said, though, she wasn't a teacher, but she was an adult who worked at his school. So this is still not okay. It's still totally illegal and wrong. Still totally illegal and wrong, 100%. But speaking as a former 15 year old boy, it probably was not totally unwanted either. Yeah. Well, still ruined his life. So, well, true. But <laughs> when you're 15, you're willing to do things that'll ruin your life because you're 15 and stupid. Right, which is why we don't allow 22-year-olds to date 15-year-olds. Well, at least one of the reasons. Yeah. So, anyway, the press runs with this hot-for-teacher story, you know, and the fact that they're having this affair and then this kid kills her husband. Like, it's a huge story. It goes national. It's everywhere. Then the press got leaked all these bikini photos of Pam that she had given Billy. Like, pictures of her in, like, her bra and underwear that she had given Billy. Wow. And the whole thing just blew up. Those pictures were, like, on the cover of tabloids and stuff. It was pretty... It was pretty much a circus all the way up until the trial. That sounds like one. The four boys, Billy, Vance, Raymond, and Pete, weren't talking at all. And then the prosecution decides that they're going to try them as adults. And as soon as the boys realize they're facing life without parole, they immediately start talking. They're like, here, let us tell you everything that happened. That makes sense, too, because another thing I know about 15-year-old boys is they don't really want to get in very much trouble. They just want to have a lot of fun. And right. if the fun gets too far, they'll bail. They'll they'll rat anybody out to, to save themselves. Yeah, exactly. So they all three tell the police about the same story. They say they're good friends with Pam, and her and Billy were intimate. And then Pam asked Billy to murder Greg, and he's 15 and doesn't know how, so he recruits his friends to help him. And then she's going to pay them some of the insurance money, so they all decide to kill her husband. Oh, my God. So the four boys convince the prosecution and the police that their kids, who were pretty much manipulated into doing this by a very pretty older woman that Billy was sleeping with. So in January of 1991... The boys and the prosecutors come up with a plea agreement. Billy and Pete would plead guilty to second-degree murder and testify against Pam, and their sentence would be life with parole after 40 years with a 12-year sentence deferred. So 28 years, and they'll be out. Vance Latimy and Raymond Fowler got less time because they were just in the car. Vance was right. driving, and Raymond was just hanging out in the car. So Vance got life with parole after 18 years, and... He would later get a sentence reduction. We'll talk about when they get out. And Raymond got 30 years, but his would be reduced later also. So at this point, all the boys plead guilty. They're sentenced and they upgrade the charges against Pam. So she's now being charged with conspiracy, witness tampering, and accomplice to first degree murder. Oh, man, she's going down. Uh Uh-huh. So Pam's trial is set to start and her lawyer wants a change of venue because this is I mean, New Hampshire's like the size of... A postage stamp? Yeah, like, I mean, it's very tiny as a state. Like, it's one of those states you can't write the name of the state in the state on the map. You gotta, like, draw the line and then write it over in the ocean. Like, it's one of those tiny ones. Right, yeah, totally. So, it's gonna be hard for her to get a fair trial of people who don't really know what's going on. Everyone at this point has kind of formed their own opinion. Exactly. So, her attorney asked for this change of venue, and the judge denies it. 
which is kind of surprising with how much media attention there was. It's kind of surprising. But then the judge makes kind of another strange ruling. The media asks if they could broadcast the trial live on TV. And the judge is like, yeah, I don't see why not. And this is the first time that we see a trial go from gavel to gavel on TV. Like, I don't know. I don't know if this is the first court TV trial, but this is the first time in the United States that we see a televised court case go from all the way from the beginning all the way to the end. So this was kind of a a revolutionary case for us anyway. Yeah, because this is before OJ. Right. Absolutely. this, This is quite a couple years before OJ. So, and they always say that that was one of the first televised trials. And it's like, I don't know, this was years before that. Anyway, so the trial starts and everybody across the country is watching, obviously, because it's on and why wouldn't you watch this? Sure. And the prosecution sets up their case, which is basically that this young, innocent teenage boy is manipulated by this much older, extremely good looking woman through sex to kill her husband because he had $140,000 worth of life insurance and he was worth more to her dead than alive. I mean, I don't think it was about the money, but I think that didn't help or didn't hurt. Yeah. Well, I think it might have been partly about the money, but I think I there think was, there was more... probably a part of it in there. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think the main reason was about the money. No. Well, the prosecution also said it was not just the money, but that she said that Greg loved the dog more than her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Dogs are great. Same, girl. Like, my husband loves my dogs way more than he loves me. Yeah. I would say no, but, I mean, it's kind of it's close. No. So. <laughs> it's obvious. Like, it's, it's like, is she really jealous of her dog? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Like, I'm fine with the fact that my husband loves the dogs more than me. <laughs> like, it's totally fine. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, is she really that jealous of that? That's weird. So, anyway. Yeah. I don't think Matt Stupid. loves the dogs more than you, but, and I think this was just a, an excuse for her to- have well, an yeah. excuse. Of course. But the prosecution said they also don't think that she was wanting to be a 22-year-old divorced woman. Like, that wasn't a look she was really going for, which I find personally very offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record. <laughs> but it's fine. We're obviously totally different people because I would never have an affair with a 15-year-old boy and kill my husband, so. Yeah, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, so that was another thing. The prosecution was like, yeah, she didn't really want to be like a divorced 22-year-old. I'm like, okay, whatever. Pam, there are worse things to look like than that. No kidding. Like, the woman <laughs> who had an affair with a 15-year-old boy? Like, inmate 12457E? Yeah, exactly. But she was also worried about her reputation because if they went through a divorce this affair with the 15-year-old might come out during that. All right. I mean, okay. I know, right? Although, this chick was, like, going to get in trouble one way or another. Like, she was smashing with a 15-year-old or she was going to kill her husband. Like, man. Yeah. So they call all three boys to testify, and they all pretty much have the same story, that Pam planned it and manipulated Billy and then offered insurance money for them to do it. And part of this manipulation was all of these excuses, like, she didn't want to be divorced. She, you know, he loved the dog more than her. He cheated on her, all this stuff, you know. And one of them was that it would be messy. A divorce would just be too messy. Greg would take, it would just drag out forever and he'd take everything and blah, 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 blah. Which is like, you're 21 and 23 and you don't fucking own anything and you don't have any kids. How messy could it get? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's obviously, like, not thinking clearly here. That was the dumbest thing I heard was a divorce could get too messy. I'm like, you don't have any kids. You don't own any property. You don't, like, you have nothing. You've been married less than a year. Just get it annulled and call it a day. Stupid. Anyway, the boys also testify that they were supposed to borrow Vance's grandma's car to do this because they don't even own their own cars because they're, like, Oh, my gosh. They would get their grandma's car involved, too. Like, yeah, you know, their parents would be asking too many questions. Right. But she forgot to drop off the car. So Pam gave them a ride to the car. Oh, my God. So now yeah. she's an. So does it make her more of an accomplice now? Well, these are all the reasons this is the prosecution's case. This is all the reasons that they're charging her oh. with what they're charging her for. Yeah. This okay, is why you. she's getting charged for accomplice to first degree murder. So she also left the house unlocked and told them not to get blood on the couch or the carpet. (laughs) Like, she gave them a rule book for their murder day. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, she is a teacher. She made lists. (laughs) Like, your wife makes lists. 
She's the only teacher I know. She makes a lot of lists. We have so many lists going on all at all times. I know. So anyway, she also puts on her list to lock the dog in the basement because she doesn't want the dog to be traumatized. Fair. You know, the dogs could see so much. You know what's really funny when I read that? I was like, all right, at least she thought of her dog. I'll give her that. Yeah, yeah. I'll give her that. So they say she went over with them what to do, like in detail, like they planned this out and she went over with them what she should do after it happened. Like she asked their opinion on like, how should I act when I find his body? Should I run to the neighbors? Should I go inside and use my phone to call the cop? Like she asked them for their opinion on that. Oh, why? Like, they would know. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, why would they know? Why would you ask them? Well, obviously they didn't know because that's why she acted like an idiot when she found her husband's body because <laughs> she asked a bunch of 15-year-olds what to do. <laughs> so Yeah. Things aren't going well when you're asking 15-year-olds what the plan is. No. So they described Vance, the getaway driver, as not very smart. Like, he he didn't he wasn't really together with it enough to like really know what was going on i hear it dude i understand 16 i had no idea what was going on yeah and th that's how they just like even the the people involved in this case they're like yeah he kind of like really didn't know what was up like he was kind of that dumb but he's also the one who stole the gun from his dad and borrowed his grandma's car to drive them so you can analyze that however you want. Like, you don't steal a gun and a car and drive to a murder if you don't think the murder is going to happen. Correct. That is a fact. I think this guy was really dumb, it sounds like, and yeah. just, you know, kind of did <laughs> yeah. what he was told. But yeah, I think he knew exactly what it was going on. Yeah. So they also had Billy on the stand crying, giving like really emotional testimony. Like, he actually seems like he has remorse for what he did. He does. I can guarantee you he does. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It does seem like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I have zero sympathy for murderers or anything like that. But he does say that before he shot Greg, he said, God, forgive me. And like, they were really pushing that these boys got caught up in something that they really couldn't handle. That they were like that. way too young to understand or make an informed decision. And that's what the prosecution pushes when all these boys are testifying. Like... They come across as naive and young and dumb. Well, if I've ever heard a 15-year-old boy described. <laughs> yeah. So they described that they went into the house and locked up the dog, just like Pam said, and they ransacked it a little bit to make it look like a robbery and then waited for Greg to come home. And when he did, they forced him on the ground at gunpoint and then shot him in the head. And I said that really, like, matter-of-factly, but, like, this was hours worth of testimony on the stand, and Billy was crying through the whole thing. It was pretty emotional. I have no doubt that it was. Then they called Cecilia Pierce to the stand, and she backed up everything the boys said happened. Like, as far as Pam planning it and talking about it and telling her side that she admitted to seeing Pam talk about it and all that kind of stuff. But she also admitted that she told them where a gun that she knew of was hidden that they could steal, but when they tried to steal it, it wasn't there. So these, like, so the, all these teenagers say that Pam planned this, but they were all involved in certain aspects of planning it also. Oh, I have no doubt that she, like, was very, in, like, instrumental in instructing them on what their, their roles were in this, for yeah, sure. Exactly. So the defense had a pretty big uphill battle at this point because... She was already guilty in the media because she was sleeping with a 15-year-old. And so <laughs> yeah. nobody had any sympathy. They were like, oh, yeah, obviously, if she's going to do that, she's going to kill her husband for sure. And so far, this trial was going super poorly for her. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, the media was calling her Black Widow and Ice Princess because she just was like no emotion. She never cried. She never did nothing. It was just like perfect, like a plastic Barbie. Yeah, it's pretty cold. Like she doesn't look like she's really like taking it all in. You know, it's not absorbing. No, not at all. Her defense was that she admitted to the affair, but she says that she broke up with Billy and he went psycho and killed Greg all on his own. Her lawyers bring up the fact that the boys were allowed to be together in the same cells or at least next to each other before the trial. So they were able to have time with each other to get their story straight, which shouldn't oh. have been allowed. No, that shouldn't have been allowed. But also 15-year-old boys don't really come up with corroborating stories on their own very well. No. Now, the reason that they're saying this now, 
her attorneys say, is because the state tried them as adults, so they wanted a lighter sentence. So they agreed to, like, sacrifice Pam to get a lighter sentence. I see that as the thing to do, too. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's her defense. Like, that's what her defense is saying. You know, like, that's why the boys are doing this. So Pam actually takes the stand in her own defense, which is kind of a bad idea in retrospect. Because she did not come off as, like, a sweet, young, grieving widow. She was immature, selfish, and... She had to answer some real tough questions. And when she answered these questions, she was just totally emotionless. And like she she went through the whole story of finding her husband of less than a year dead on the ground and never shed a tear. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that is not. It's heartless. Like it's like how she looks on the stand. Like it's not computing. Like you orchestrated your husband's murder. Yeah, especially with how Billy was on the stand. It's like the exact opposite. Well, of course it was, you know, like he's just a dummy who got in way over his head. Who thought he was in love and yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, that's really, he thought he was in love and he did something shitty, which don't get me wrong. I have no sympathy, but I see how that happens to a child's mind. 100%. She had a pre-planned answer for everything, including the tapes, the incriminating tapes of her talking to Cecilia. Her answer for that was that she knew nothing about the murder because the police stopped talking to her about it. So she wanted to find out what everybody else knew. So she pretended to know about it when she was talking to Cecilia to find out what Cecilia knew. That's her defense on the tapes. This woman is just so like, she thinks she's so smart and she's so narcissistic that like, you know, she thinks that anything she says, everyone will believe. And obviously nobody believes anything coming out of her mouth. Right. She also says that the reason Cecilia is lying now, according to her defense, is that because Cecilia was involved in this conspiracy to kill Greg with her friends and she should be being charged too, but she isn't because she's testifying against Pam. Which, uh, okay. I mean, I kind of agree. I don't know why she's the only one that isn't charged. That actually doesn't make very much sense to me. It actually doesn't. Well, I mean, but yeah, you're right. She knew what was going on. The only reason I could see is that because she wasn't actually there when it happened. Right, but she was definitely, she knew what was going on and didn't stop it though. So yeah, but you're right. I can see why. Didn't stop it and didn't come forward after either. So I don't know. Seems kind of weird. But I guess it's because she wore a body wire and testified against her. You know, they gave her a pass, I guess. Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe they said, hey, if yeah. you wear a wire and get that info, like, mm-hmm. we'll, you know, reduce we'll or eliminate. You. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, it's up to the jury to decide if Pam strategically planned this murder of her husband and seduced a teenage boy and his friends with sex and money to do it, or if she was just a pedophile that took advantage of a teenage boy then broke his heart, and then he recruited his friends and killed her husband out of jealousy. Like, those are the two options the jury has. It's like, either you believe her that she didn't have anything to do with this and she broke this kid's heart so he killed her husband, or she planned this whole thing. Like, those are the two options. Either way, she was doing something she shouldn't have been. Oh, yeah, totally. But there's a big difference between the first one and the second one. Huge, for sure. And the jury decided that she planned this. (laughs) Guilty on all counts. Conspiracy, accomplice to first-degree murder... Witness tampering, everything. Like, guilty on everything. And I don't know if this is like a New Hampshire thing or maybe this is like a 1990 thing. But she was sentenced immediately after they read the verdict. Oh. Like, they didn't have to wait weeks or months or whatever for a sentencing hearing. Like, immediately after the verdict, the judge was like, yep, life without. She was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Well, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So the boys, however, have all been released since this happened. So Raymond Fowler was released April 3rd, 2003. He served 12 years in prison and he was the one that was just in the car. He didn't go inside. Right. Vance Latimer Jr. or JR was released August 8th of 2005 after serving 14 years. He was the guy who drove the car who also didn't go in. Jeez. And then Billy Flynn, the man who pulled the trigger, and Pete Randall, the one who held him down, they were released in March and April of 2015. So they served 24, 25 years each. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're still young men, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all like 40 and under. Yeah. Right. Or they were when they were released. Now they're a little older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's crazy. Like eight, 
seven years. Yeah. Yeah, so 32 years later, Pamela's the only one in prison still for Greg's murder. Well, she did orchestrate the whole thing, so... I know. She gives interviews, too, and she bitches about how that's not fair. That the man who actually pulled the trigger is out and she isn't. She thinks that's, like, super unfair. Yeah, she she would think that. that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do expect her to be the one who would say that's not fair, but... Uh, sorry, Pammy. It is. But you know what's really funny is, like, I think she expects it to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. We should probably give you parole, too. But I feel like the opposite. Like, if there's anything unfair, it's that those boys are out. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> of course they're out. They were manipulated. They're super young. They weren't acting with their proper headspace, at least. I and, don't know. I mean. And I get that. I'm not saying that they should still be in prison, but I'm saying Pam's argument is that she should be out too. And it's like, no, 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 you're in, yeah. period, the end. Yeah. Okay. Like if there's We're anything wrong, yeah, like if there's anything wrong with this, it's that people didn't get more time, not less time. Like nobody's right. getting less time here. Yeah. Like I've no, seen a lot of that. things that think that the 12 years that the kids who stayed in the car got was too much for being in the car, but I don't. I mean, they knew what was happening inside. They knew after the fact and they never said anything. It's not like, oh, they got caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Then they went straight to the police and told them what happened. They didn't. They were involved. Like, I, I don't think that's too much time. I don't. I think they got lucky that they all only did 14 to 25 years. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. Uh, that stuff, and I think I'm by it. Yeah. They could have got the same sentence as Pam, and they didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's, cause, well, no, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I know you want to believe in rehabilitation. You want to believe that because these kids were young, they can change all that. I know. 100%. 100%. I know. And it's like, I do too, Grant. I do too. And I love everybody. And it's all great. But then they get out of prison and people kill people again. And then everybody's like, why'd we let them out? And it's like, yeah, we well, of course. <laughs> and and this is that's my worry too, though, is that I these know. guys went to jail at such a formative yep. age. Like, 15 16 and then they're getting out like at 39 to 40 ish you know like that's that worries me too you know because yeah, now they've been institutionalized and that's the only way they know so yeah that does worry me too so besides the institutionalized though you know what worries me is that they were able to kill somebody at 15 or 16 years old true yeah yeah like yeah, i think there's something yeah. already wrong if you're like i understand the whole yeah. argument that she manipulated them and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that you could do this is a problem at that age. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a problem yeah, all around. And who knows the right answer. But as far as I can tell on the internet, I mean, they've all been released. Two of them have been released for over 10 years, 12, 15 years. And the other ones have been out for seven years and none of them have reoffended, as far as we know. So, And they all have lifetime parole. They'll never get off parole. They'll be on parole the rest of their life. Okay. I mean, yeah. I feel like people should be checking in on them. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. probably fair. Yeah. So I just love that Pam gives interviews and she's like, it's not fair that I'm in prison and they were the ones that killed them. And it's like, it's also not fair that you manipulated 15 year olds to kill your husband. Or that, <laughs> right. Like, you're lucky you didn't get charged with child sex abuse, like, or yeah, child molestation no or rape or... Any of the other hundred things that they should have charged you with. Yeah. No, I, I agree. There was a lot there that she could have been charged with and probably should have been. But yeah, I think we're happy with where, where she got with, you know, with where she's at. Yeah, totally. The other thing that I think about it, too, is that if Pam Smart doesn't exist, I don't think these boys would have ever killed anybody. Yeah, that's probably true, too. Very much so. And especially they wouldn't have killed Greg Smart because they didn't even know him. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So when she does the it's not fair I'm still in prison it's like that's the one thing that I go back to it's like well somebody decided that Greg Smart was getting murdered yes they did it but you did it because they wouldn't have ever done it without you planning it and telling them to do it yeah 100% so he's no, dead because of her she murdered him yeah sure anyway that's the crazy case of uh, Pamela Smart Pamela not so smart yeah which you always get confused with elizabeth smart <laughs> i do and elizabeth short and i know you have a hard time i know yeah all the other ones yeah i probably will still as we move on but well all right well we should get wrapping it up all right well this was great for anyone who's interested at our social media you can go to 
on Instagram at from crime to crime. You can go to our TikTok at from crime to crime. We have a Twitter from crime with a number two crime. Just come out there, visit us, have fun. We're uh, we're constantly talking to you guys out there. We've had a, a blast. We've had a huge influx of people commenting and stuff recently, and um, it's been fun for both of us. So please continue to do so. And don't forget to change your Amazon smile to DNA Doe Project. Absolutely do that. All right, buddy. I love you. All right. I love you too. I'll call you later. Okay.